Hello lovely single mums and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing a topic which is very close to my own heart at the moment and that is invaluable insights for raising your teenager. My name is Lucy Good and I am the founder of Beanstalk. It's an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. And today I have great pleasure in chatting to Maya Kilsalas, author of the book Free the Girl. Um, Maya is a writer and life enthusiast who is constantly trying to find new ways of living a happy life with purpose. She writes about everything that is present in her life at any one time and has no rules, which I love the idea of. Um, During Maya's teenage years, she experienced eating disorders, depression and anxiety. Um, But she chose to turn these negatives into positives by writing a book about them called Free the Girl. And it's an invaluable tool for teenagers and the parents of teenagers. Now she talks to us today with incredible insight and as a kind of mediator between us and our teenagers and I for one know that any support I can get with raising a teenager is like gold dust. Welcome to the Beanstalk podcast Maya. Thank you so much. Now I'm sorry I think I've referred to you as Maya and Maya already in your... (laughs) In that introduction. <laughs> well, I respond to everything, so. <laughs> but it is Maya, spelt Maya. Um, yes. Okay, I've, I'm going to get this right from now on. Look, it's, <laughs> it's so great to have this chance to chat to you about your teenage years. Um, usually on my podcast, I have people like lawyers and doctors and psychiatrists and people like that. But so often I find that the most solid and the best advice comes from people who have actually lived through situations um, like you have. Um, And I know for me, one of the best resources on my single mum journey um, was actually a young girl where I worked. I say young, she was in her early 20s, but her parents had been divorced. Um, So she was really great to talk to um, about how my kids would feel about my divorce. So instead of looking for support from other other mums who were divorcing it was really interesting to get it from a different angle from the child who was you know the child during the divorce and I guess that's the same for you Maya isn't it you're you're offering people advice from the angle of somebody who's been there yeah and I think it's also important to get like different types of of people that you can find support through like you can find support for yourself in in other single mums but then you might not know how your child is feeling and stuff. So you can find that through through children themselves. Yeah, it is. And it's really important to look at it from different angles because we think we know it all, don't we? Um, yeah. The children oh, yeah. can tell us quite a lot, actually. Um, so that's why it's really good to chat to you um, today. Yes, because, I'm excited. Because all us um, mothers are wondering what the hell is going on in our teenagers' heads. <laughs> so just for the listeners I've got at the time of this podcast I've got two girls and most people would know this already Um, one is 14 um, and the other is a preteen she's 12 so yeah this is something that's really um, interesting to me and I'm sure it will be to anyone listening who has um, teenagers so yeah hopefully yeah I'm sure it will be I'll head into (laughs) the questions um so look we all remember our teenage years uh, with mixed emotions and a a little bit of embarrassment um, on my part um (laughs) but what was it about this particular time in your life Maya um, that inspired you to write a book about it Hmm. well it started actually 
so in my early, just as I hit 13, um, I probably I started to just look at myself with different eyes. Like I started to figure out what was wrong with me because I felt like I wasn't um, as good as the people around me. So I looked at my best friends and I was like, oh, they're, they're perfect and I'm not perfect. And they're looking at themselves thinking they're not perfect. And I'm thinking, oh, if they don't think they're perfect, then I'm not perfect. <laughs> so then you just, I just entered this spiral of just figuring out what's wrong with me. And um, it took me down a, in a dark sort of spiral. And I learned to um, just constantly like looking at myself with critical eyes. And I developed this feeling of just not being a worthy human, basically. Um, and I developed this, like I sort of started to grow in a negative way, I suppose. And that led to my eating disorders and um, all these dark thoughts about myself and I didn't treat myself right. And um, when I then turned, like fast forward 17, uh, I had this um, uh, assignment in my psychology class and it was called Write About Your Life. Um, and I just started to write about that experience of my life growing from seven, uh, 13 to 17. And my psychology teacher actually said, you should turn this into a book. Because I already loved writing, but I didn't know then that I wanted to become a writer. Uh, so I carried that uh, psychology assignment with me for many years. And sometimes I added on to it and I was going to turn it into a book when I was maybe 19 and I didn't. And yeah, then last year I was like, this is the time where I should dig into this and really turn it into a book. And I sort of manifested it and help came along my way and mm. it ended up becoming a book, finally. How and it felt like I sort of <laughs> Yeah, and it felt like I sort of got that chapter of my life just out of my life with the book in a weird way. Like I have a different perspective of it now. Yeah, so it had been sitting there unfinished, um, yeah, and you exactly. managed to, to give it some closure by finishing it. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, how interesting. So it was actually a psychology assignment that, that started it all. So yeah. When our, um, when our kids say that they're bored in their lessons at school, we should say, you just never know what might come of it, you know. Exactly. <laughs> keep, keep concentrating and doing your work. You might write a book one day yeah. from one of your lessons. But, um, but, you know, you do talk about this lack of self-worth, um, which is um, a terribly sad thing, and you put it really well in that, this crazy because you're looking at everyone around you and thinking they're all perfect and there's something wrong with you. Um, and I can remember doing that myself and I still do do it to some degree even now at times if I'm, you know, if I'm not in a good headspace. Is it something that you think many teenagers deal with? Or is, that, or is that something that you feel was more you? You were saying that other girls were feeling the same as well. Are they all going through this lack of self-worth at that stage? I hope not, because that would be so sad. But yeah, I think to to a point. But then mm. I think some people uh, tend to do it more than others. I think that um, it, for me, I was for me was sort of a, it, there is never just the one thing. That's what I've 
understood. So it's when big shifts happen in your life, then you can either um, grow from them or it takes a little longer. So what I'm, God, I I don't even know what I'm rambling on about now. But um, (laughs) what I'm thinking is that for me, what happened was that I was a gymnast and I did gymnastics all the time and it took up a lot of my time. And then when I ended like 13, I sort of quit. So I had all this time to just, that I didn't know what to do with. Mm. And I was so used to always being occupied with this thing that I loved. And then I stopped loving it. And then it was just an empty space of just, and it was just me just thinking about things. Um, And I think when when you don't know how to sort of deal with your own thoughts, then you can start believe that everything you think is true and then if you have sort of negative thoughts that can go quite wrong Mm. and being a teenager is a little bit like being in limbo between one place and another um, and not really knowing quite where you are and who you are because you're no longer that child anymore but you're not an adult either so you're growing and changing so quickly and one part of you I, I remember reading once that you know the brain doesn't catch up with the rest of the body at one stage of being a teenager so it's very difficult um to find an identity and of course with everything going on as well teenagers want to fit in um and sometimes they don't know where and how so yeah you you can be left with a void and that can then uh, that void can be filled with with negative emotions and I think, to, as you say, to some extent, um, that's okay. We all do it, but it can go too far. Um, yeah, you need, to, you need to have some tools to know, like, how you can just understand. I think that it's the key is to understand that everything that you think and everything that you think is true about yourself, when you're a teenager, you have to sort of learn that your brain thinks all this random stuff mm. and most of the time it's not true but back then I just really believed everything negative that I thought about myself and I think that's one of the keys to sort of get to know yourself is to accept that everything you think is not the truth (laughs) yeah exactly and try and, and try and spin it around um to see the positives yeah so with the with your book free the girl when you wrote it, I mean, I know, as you say, it was part of um, a part of a school lesson. Um, but what, who's it aimed at now? Is it aimed at the teenagers, at teenage girls, at parents? Who would be the people to pick up and gain from this book? So I wrote it um, with my own diaries and stuff. And I read through all my diary assignments. And then I just figured out that with all the knowledge that I've gained through experience, all of this pain and this um, this torture I sort of put myself through, like I've got, I've gained all these tools. So if I would go back in time and like teach my own teenage self what I now know, then that's the sort of setup of the book. So I go through painful moments and other moments, and then I just reflect um reflect on them through me now if that makes sense uh, so the book is definitely for those teenagers who have that lack of self-love and that don't that think that they're not 
worth enough as the people around them. Um, and I think if you feel like that as a teenager, then it, it can probably help you a lot because it, it's not a book that is telling you what to do. It's a book that has all these questions that you can ask yourself and reflect over so you can sort of feel the answers within yourself. Um, but then it's probably a very good book for um, parents who are dealing with depressed teenagers because they can get an understanding into what's happening in a teenage mind so they can through the book just hear all these thoughts that might be going on in their kids life and they can get a bit of understanding into what it's like to 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 live their lives at the moment because for so many of us our teenage years seem like such a long time ago yeah and I always have thought to myself you know when my kids reach teenage years I will try and put myself in their shoes and try and remember what it was like to be a teenager because it, it was hard. I mean, even without eating disorders or anything as serious as that, I remember teenage years being quite a challenge. So, mm. but then I try and think back to those years and I can't remember them. So I think it would be a good book just to almost prompt and remind the parents, this is what it's like. Do you remember this? This is what, you know, your son or daughter is going through now. Just a reminder for parents of how difficult those years can be. And so maybe in many cases, just to give them a little bit of slack um, and also try and come and talk to them on their level, um, rather than going in and just being the annoying parent, which I so often do. <laughs> and it will be hard not to because you care so much for these people. Like, it's painful to say, especially if they're not happy. It must be so painful to just, like, you can't just watch it. But And then you get frustrated and you want to get in and just say, look, this is what you should do. But then you don't remember that maybe there is a few steps that, as a teenager, you have to just go through yourself and figure out for yourself. And you can't just be told the end step, you know. You have to sort of walk upstairs yes. by yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely true what you say. Um, you know, just to, to guide them rather than tell them what to do, try and point them in the right direction. And, you know, as parents, it doesn't take much to annoy our teenagers. You know, things that my daughter used to find hilariously funny that I did are now just hugely embarrassing. So it's just this connection has just changed and it's trying to keep up with it and keep connecting with them on the right level. But yeah. um, look, in our new social media orientated world, which um, I suppose it wasn't so much like this when you were a teenager, what do you feel are the biggest issues that teenagers face today? And how can we, as the single mothers listening, help our teenagers deal with them? It's, it's funny now when you walk down the streets and you see people just living in their phones, like they're just, you know, scroll. You can see the, the Instagram scroll thumb that is just mm. going next, next, next. Mm. And I, I know from like my own Instagram feed that you just see this, depending on who you follow, but girls, I think, follow other girls and they see only what they choose to put up and it's perfection. And I feel like it's also, um, it's heaps of trends in the Instagram flow so that it's quite similar what they're looking at. And it's just one way of being, one way of living, one way of looking. Um, and I feel like that can be quite 
um, it, it, it doesn't give you much room to play with your own sort of intuition and own originality, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I feel like you have to have an open conversation with teenagers just to know that it's not real what they're looking at like it might be real to some extent but there is there is so much more to life than just um perfect eyebrows and uh, acai bowls in a mm. in the right light <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know breakfasts and like I feel like it's it, they have to know that there is a world outside of social media as well that is very important to be a part of because otherwise you might get lost in the in the internet world mm. yeah I mean it's just um I think that it, it ha- the world has gone mad I mean we do all know that and I think that most teenagers and obviously I refer to my own daughter when I talk they know they know that everything on there is perhaps digitally enhanced enhanced or as you say they've just put on the good things but and and it's hard to point it out to them um, on when they're on their phones because you're not really a part of what they're scrolling through. And I t- try to point it out perhaps if it's on TV, if we're watching a movie and there's something on, and 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 they the person on there has been enhanced either through the screen or they've had some plastic surgery or something. I do try to point it out and say, you know, she's probably not really like that in real life. Um, and I think they, they're wise enough to know it, but they still do get engulfed in it. And when you were sort of saying right at the beginning that the problem that you really had when you were um, a teenager and what caused a lot of problems for you was that kind of, that self-worth. I mean, what looking at things like that all day on Instagram is not going to help a teenager's self-worth, is it, in any way? No, and I think it, I think it's, it's very hard to also say you can't do that because it's, it's fun for them. Like it's, it's fun for me to go, like I can get lost in my Instagram feed and, and my partner get lost in his Instagram feed. Like it's just something, it drags you in, but there, I'm, I'm, I'm always thinking like, how can I, how can I make myself not wanting to do that all the time? Like, is there some rules <laughs> I can put up for myself or sometimes now I go for runs and I don't bring my phones or I, 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 leave it at home if I go out for dinner or I make sure I put it in my bag so it's not near me and I think I think that I'm not a mother but I'm thinking a lot about how I want to raise my kids and I I, I love thinking about that sort of things and Mm. maybe reality will change when it happens (laughs) but now I'm thinking that um, I'll have like a little place for them to put their phones and for dinner, they're not allowed to have them, and we go for maybe phoneless walks or like connect as a family without phones. Like phones are not allowed during yeah. these hours or something like that. Um, and I, th- I think that it, it sounds boring to teenagers, but I think that it's very beneficial. It is. It's very important. And um, in fact, in one of the courses that I have for single mums, I've actually got um, a thing where they can print out a sign and it says ditch the devices. And it's a sign just to stick onto the front of a box. And then for two hours every day, everyone has to, mums included, have to put all of their devices into the box. So you have two hours of device free time every day. Um, Yes. It's ever so important. And I was speaking to another guy the other day and he was saying that... um, 
he uh, they have a charging point in their house and he's got three kids and he's got his wife there and all five of them plug in their phones overnight and um, they're not allowed to charge them up again until the following evening when they go to bed. So wow. they, they only have one, an iPhone, unless they're brand new tent, you do need to charge them up again usually during the day. So they kind of have a ch- one charge worth all day. And if it runs out, it runs out. They've used it too much. So there are ways to get them off of, off of their phones. And it's, it's really yeah. important. But, but I, also I, just like I'm thinking, not just saying no phones. Maybe you can introduce something else to do. Like this is something, a meditation or maybe mm. now we're going to stretch together or like just give, give or inspire children to or teenager to to like learn how to connect with themselves outside of their phones yeah definitely and sometimes that is about just um giving them nothing to do and get, give, they, they can work out what to do in that time exactly. because they've forgotten once they haven't got their phones they forget they can't work out what to do they're absolutely lost yeah my mom always <laughs> said it's good to be bored it's yes good to be bored. you need to learn how to be bored <laughs> you need to ha- learn to create your own fun say that yeah. to a teenager nowadays and they look at you as if you're absolutely crazy <laughs> <laughs> Mom's always right, isn't she? Oh, well, I yeah. Didn't, I looked at her with those eyes as well when she yeah. said that to me, but now I get it. Yeah, but he, they they all get it eventually, but you've just got to get through these years with them um, and then come out. My my dad always says, do you just need to get through these years, Lucy? And if you can come out the other side of them and you're still friends, you've done okay. <laughs> 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 I, I, and I think that's so true. <laughs> hundred <laughs> percent look it can be hard as a parent to know how to connect to our beautiful teenage children so I'm really interested to know how your parents handled you and in hindsight how do you think it could have been done differently oh my my parents have I've taken them through storms and tornadoes and like they have really had to work a lot with me um but I, I look back at them and I, I think they handled me very, very well. Like they, they never told me what to do, how to feel. They, they gave me space to feel like shit when I did. Mm. Uh, but they always made sure like they were there for me and I could talk to them about everything. Um, and also they, they told me that I could talk to them when I'm ready. So they're like, we're here to listen when you want to talk to me. Like, no, they never sat me down and said, now it's the time to talk and you need to tell us what's going on and that sort of thing. So there was never pressure for me to, to, um, to, to do anything in a certain way. Um, which also probably had a downside that I did whatever I wanted to do and it happened so like I I treated my anxiety and my depression and my my strict rules that I kept for myself um I was a perfectionist so I needed to be perfect in school they never pushed me to do my homework or anything but I I did them manically they had to be perfect I I had to run I had to go you know I had to do all these things and then I released all the things that I had put up, like all the rules I had with alcohol, so I partied a lot. Mm. And I'm thinking, so I've thought a lot about what I would do differently to my parents if if I have myself as a daughter. 
which I hope I don't because it, it must have been hard for them. Um, but I think that I would probably have tried to give me an other way of releasing my sort of rules out, not with, not with alcohol. I would have put up some more rules around that in hindsight because I it's it it would just takes it takes so much longer to heal emotionally if you're treating yourself with alcohol. It does mm, yeah, that's what I've learned. Um. But yeah, otherwise, the, the, we went to family therapy, so we, we talked a lot. Um, and that really, like, I look back at them and I think that they, they've really done such a good job with what they had to, to work with. <laughs> and uh, do you get on with your parents now? Yeah, better than ever, I would say. Mm. We, we, we always got along, but it was different. Like I, I used to be, be really angry and upset with my dad all the time because I, I feel like we are so different that I looked at his problems and I tried to fix him instead of fixing myself. Mm. So we, we share a lot of traits. Um, and, and then my mom, she, she is very emotional. And um, so she, I didn't often want her to come along to my um, um, eating disorder uh, talks because she had eating disorders when she was young so it was always like oh maybe it's my fault and mm. we started talking about her instead of me um, <laughs> so I left her at home and me and my dad could talk more openly about it with my psychiatrists and stuff but they've done they've done a good job um, but I think maybe some rules are necessary when it yeah. comes to how you're dealing with stuff it's really hard though isn't it because what you said there at the beginning was that they gave you space um, and the minute you said that I thought yeah, I really like that and that's something that I do actually try to do with my own daughter if she's inexplicably moody um, I do leave her to do what she wants give her the space to be like that because she probably doesn't even know why she's moody and the last thing that you need is somebody on your back asking you why and telling you not to be um, yeah so space is a really good one but then exactly as you say if you give too much space you can almost you're not being enough of a guide you're not holding the back and that's where things like drugs and alcohol can come into it so it's a really really hard um it's a really difficult thing to do isn't it as a parent yeah. you know how much Am space I to give yeah, and my parents, we always talked about alcohol and it's not like we talked, we had an open conversation about everything. But in the end, I just said to them, look, this is what I'm doing and you can't stop me because I'll bring hell, you know, like they, mm. they could, they didn't really have a chance to, if they didn't lock me up, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> I was very determined. I you, wanted to do what I needed to do. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thinking. something that you said that I've recently learned is that it's important to just show teenagers that it is okay to feel like mm. shit and it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to whatever they're feeling they just gotta accept the feelings and not try to to change them because when you try to change how you feel, that's when you create this friction inside and it, it, it blows up and it becomes bigger than it originally was. So I've, I've recently started to do this myself, just like, okay, I feel a bit, oh, now I feel a bit sad. Oh, okay, that's, well, not even said that I feel sad. Like I just, 
feel whatever I'm feeling and even if it's not good I'm just like sitting with it and then yeah. just don't try to change it at all just be like okay I have space for you too within yeah. well it's acceptance isn't it and it's something yeah. I learned very early on actually with having kids and it was in a book and I'm just been looking on the, my bookshelf behind me I can't quite remember the name it's something like how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk and I think it's yeah. more aimed at younger kids but one of the things I took from the book and have always remembered is to allow your children to have the feelings that they have and so with a younger child that might be um you know they go you, you, they just had dinner and then 10 minutes later they say oh I'm hungry and you say you can't be hungry you've just had dinner or they go out and they say I'm cold you can't be cold it's it's not a cold day well then you're actually taking away from them what they feel yes and you should accept it and say okay well that's fine if you if you still feel hungry just you know let your food settle give it another 30 minutes and then see if you're still hungry then or oh that's unusual that you're cold um you know I will go and get you a jumper but rather than just saying you can't be cold or you can't be hungry it's not very unfair really is it so that's acceptance and I think when we speak with each other if you would say you can't be cold to me I would be like well I am (laughs) but if you say that to a a younger like a child they would be like oh I can't okay like they take everything you say as a truth because you're a parent so yeah Mm. that's very very cool yeah Yeah. And, and it goes right through into the and especially in the teenagers if they feel down they might not even know why it is themselves but that's okay to feel like that um, and we will have it that um, you, you know, I, I can leave my daughter for a couple of hours if she's brooding. Um, but then I will go down and say, you know, dinner's ready or whatever. And I will, when she comes up, I will expect her to communicate with me and her sister when we sit and have dinner. And then if she wants to, she can go back down to her room and continue to brood if that's what she wants. So it's like having a level where you say, it's fine. I accept that you feel this way and I'm going to let you go off and do what you need to do and feel how you need to feel. But at the same time, you are living in the real world. So you have got to come up and communicate and, you know, so, so you can't leave them and give them too much space. No, because sometimes you also, you just need something that make you snap out of it. Mm. And that can be just, maybe that is family time with dinner. Maybe she doesn't even know what's going to come up at dinner. Maybe you've cooked her something that she really likes and she comes up and she's like, ooh, and then she finds another level of her experience and she feels different. Yes, exactly. Mm. So, so, and that's it. Don't give them too much space but give them some space and, mm. uh, and and that's working out with with each individual child as well what you need to do oh my goodness it's so hard and to think I've got another teenager in a, in a year <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um look so um my last question with all my podcasts I'd like to leave my single mum listeners with tips that they can take on board and use straight away so for the single mothers out there possibly struggling with their teenagers what advice can you give them to help them connect with and support their children through this sometimes turbulent time so something that i've learned recently is that you first need to put on your own oxygen mask but look after yourself um and make sure that you're in that in a good space yourself and um, I feel like if we have, especially if you have a teenager that is really depressed or really down or have eating disorders or 
you know, something that is painful for you as a mother to watch or a father, um, you need to make sure that you, you also take care of yourself because otherwise you, you can't, you might just create more frustration for your child if you're not in a good space yourself. So I think that's a really important thing to, to because we can feel guilty if we look after ourselves. We'll be like, well, well, well my, what about my child? Like, I can't do this for myself, but you gotta, because otherwise it's not going to work. And then something that I've thought about as well is um, whenever I've felt really lost in life, I've, I really... Um, have found it good to to um, read affirmations. So I love, like, I don't do it all the time, but if I feel like I need a little boost, I always put up affirmations, little post-it notes all around the house. In the mirrors are good. And um, I think it just, if, if you as a mother would do that, uh, if your child is really anxious and depressed, not for them, but do it for themselves, and then the bonus is that they will also walk past those mirrors and read it instead of, and not put them in, in their rooms because then they might feel like you're trying to make me feel something. But if you do it for yourself, they can get it as a byproduct. It's like secondhand smoking, but in a positive way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that I really think is important. Um, and just how hard it may be just um, show kids that feelings are okay what good bad any feelings they just they just happen within you and they just come up and then you give room for them and then they they turn into different emotions so we the most important thing is just not to try and make kids do something just just allow them to feel what they need to feel and always make sure that they know that any time of the night any time of the day they can call you and you're there you know you're a solid point in their life that they can always um grab or hold, get on to when they need to and it's the communication as well so if they know that they can tell you that they feel a certain way and you're not going to um, have a go at them for it or tell them they don't feel like that then they're going to carry on talking to you aren't they and it's really important to keep those lines of communication open um yeah whenever they you know whenever they suddenly feel like talking you want to make sure it's you they're talking to exactly yeah and then and yeah I mean what you hit the nail on the head as well especially with the single mother audience that I have about self-care and looking after ourselves um it's something that seems to come very much bottom of the list but it's incredibly important um, because your children are watching and learning um, and if they see you taking care of yourself and aspiring and achieving in life then they're going to do the same with their life so yeah always always um, and, and that's that's a good excuse as well isn't it to look after yourself and take time off here and there um, and don't yeah. run yourself into the ground because you want to be you want to be the best mother that you can be because you really need to have your wits about you bringing up teenagers yes. <laughs> I, I'm actually, I can't I, wait <laughs> I look I have to say I laugh about it um uh, but you know so far and I god I'm going to touch wood while I say this so far it's been fine um, and as much as um, my lovely little girl has gone and I've got this teenager who's replaced her 
Um, and this teenager can be very miserable and very broody and very argumentative. She's, she's also becoming this, a young woman. And with that comes loads of really positive, amazing stuff and different levels where we can actually connect. So um, with, with the hard stuff comes the good stuff when they turn to teenagers. And that's my experience so far. She's only 14. I might have a different opinion this time next year. Um, <laughs> but look, uh, Maya, can you, ha- your book um, is coming into stock here on the 20th of February. So we haven't got any here at the moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to run a giveaway for a couple of Maya's books later on um, in the year on Beanstalk. So that giveaway will be run over all of the Beanstalk platforms, the Single Mum Vine, Beanstalk Single Mum's Facebook page and also the Beanstalk Single Mums Instagram. So that will be given away a couple of books later on in the year. But Maya, if any of the single mums listening would like to uh, purchase a copy now, or if they just want to find out a bit more about you or contact you, can you just tell us where they can go? Yes. So first I have my blog that you can always find all information, um, which is www.mymondaylove.com I'll put that on I'll put that on when I put this podcast up I'll put it on so people can click through as well yes and you can uh, otherwise find a book on amazon.com dot au or or wherever whatever amazon platform you want to find it on it's there so you can the easiest way is just to type in my name because then it comes up straight away and my accuse of us because Yep, but and they, then they need to spell your name, <laughs> which I I recently learned how to spell it. It's very confusing, but yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, the book is there in both Kindle and hard copy format. Okay, that's brilliant. So people can go along there and and um, they can check you out. They can buy the book. Um, or as I say, we ha- will have the giveaway. Um, running later on in the year once you've got those hard copy books in stock so thank you so much Maya um, thank you <laughs> look as a, a as a parent to a teenager and a preteen, and, and having been a pretty full-on teenager myself you are so on topic at this time to help so many parents um, and I just find it incredible that you've taken the negative experiences from your life and turned them around to help yourself and also lots of other people Um, with the the book that you've written so thank you again Maya good luck with your journey I I have a feeling that you're going to go on and do many wonderful things thank you so much I'm so I'm I'm very happy that I've uh, got to come on your podcast god I can't speak I get nervous (laughs) oh you shouldn't be you've been wonderful you've given us lots of information thank you so much Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was really fun talking to you. And to all the single mums who are listening, if you're struggling with the teenage years or you're contemplating how you're going to get through them, remember that there are tools and resources out there to help you. But most importantly, as we've been chatting about today, allow your children to go through their emotions. Just let them be, well, let them be teenagers. Um, Keep the lines of communication open and of course, keep the unconditional love flowing. Until next time, ladies, goodbye.